0: Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is a co production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN. Global Catholic Radio Network. My name is Dan Dimitain. I'm here in the Damascus studio with the illustrious Damascus studio (laughs) with my good friend and co-host Aaron Richards. Hi, everybody.
1: I am. I'm super great today.
0: Oh, man. Today is going to be a on-fire show. We are going to be talking about the extraordinary call to sainthood and the potential of the young church to rise up and to become saints. And so. Um,
1: Aaron, why don't you just open us in prayer today? Yeah, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, Jesus, I we're so thankful mm-hmm. for the for the love that you have for your church and the call that you've placed on each of our hearts. You call us to be saints, and uh, you call us to lives that are extraordinary. That lives of sainthood aren't meant to be boring, um, Jesus, but that lives of sainthood are meant to be an amazing. And an awesome adventure. So we say yes to the adventure that you have planned for our lives. Mm -hmm. We say yes to the call that you've given to us. And Jesus, today we pray for a greater conviction um, for the mission to which you've called us, Lord, and that you would empower us with the grace to respond.
0: Yeah, Lord, we're just so thankful for... Uh, Just the gift of all the saints in the church and the extraordinary gift that you call us to be saints, Lord. We thank Mm. you for the opportunity. Um, to respond to the grace that you pour out and to live the life that you have uh, paid for us. Lord, I pray that all of our listeners today will just have the fire of the Holy Spirit stirred up again in their hearts, that those who are weary and tired, that they would be renewed in their spiritual life and they would start seeing their life from your perspective, from heaven's perspective, and not from the world's perspective. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Father, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. So. Aaron, I'm really excited today. Just kind of for our first-time listeners, Beyond Damascus is all about how encounter meets mission, that just like St. Paul had his conversion on the road to Damascus, that 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 experience not only transformed his life personally, but it gave him that opportunity to be prayed with uh, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he left Damascus, and he brought the church to the nations. And he brought the church beyond, you know, to the Gentiles, to kings, to nations. And that's what we're called to do, to have a life-changing encounter with
1: Jesus Christ and to allow that life-changing encounter to launch us into a life of mission. Amen. Yeah. And uh, and for all of our uh, first-time listeners, or maybe someone who might need a reminder today. So Dan and I work uh, full-time here at a place called Damascus, mm-hmm. as well here in Central Ohio. And our 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 mission. This is a, a young adult missionary community, and and we serve. Uh, well, we serve all kinds of people. Our, our goal <laughs> is to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. And. Uh, and, and we're seeing that happen here on our campus. We're seeing it come alive. You know, Dan. A number of years ago, uh, we we went through a process of kind of identifying what are some of the core values of our organization. And as we've grown and matured, we've kind of I don't know. We, we, we've we've drawn new language around uh, those initial core values. But I was I was looking through a document the other day from I don't know 2010 or 11. And it had uh, had our core values on them. One of the core values that I really appreciated the way that we worded it was that, as an organization, Catholic Youth Summer Camp Damascus, we believe in the potential of young people. Yeah, right, and uh, while we, you know, we don't really have that posted anywhere any longer as a, as a core value of our organization, that's still one of the rules that we live by. It's part of our heart for sure. Yeah. That, that, you know, there's, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no, no, there's no, um, barrier to entry when it comes to living life as, as a disciple, uh, that, that Jesus actually, he, he makes it. He makes it so simple for us to respond. Why? Because he desperately wants us to partner with him in the process.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, over the last twenty years, Aaron and I have been doing youth ministry, and collectively, we've probably seen close to a million young people. You know, I mean, it's just amazing the amount of young people that have come through our ministries over the time, uh, over the years. And um, there's something about the young church—middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults. There's something captivating about the way the Holy Spirit can work through their lives. There's this yeah. openness to the supernatural. There's this hunger for uh, a life of, of uh, extraordinary greatness. There's this um, humility yeah. that, and docility that sometimes, you know, uh, adults struggle with. And, well, and, anybody, and They're not set in their ways. They're yeah, formable.
1: They're that's moldable. Right. That's right. Anybody with kids can, can testify, right, that— uh, sometimes it's so much easier for a kid to to step into a process than it is for you as an yeah, adult. Why? Because yeah. they don't have to unlearn the stuff that they from, like <laughs> years and years and years been, of bad been, been poisoned by, right? right. Yeah.
0: and they don't carry baggage. Sometimes they're free to, to to hope, and it's it's really amazing. Just this idea that we believe in the pen, potential of the the young church is is that what do we believe in their potential? Well, we believe that the call that Jesus Christ gave to his apostles is the call that he gave to every member of his church, not just the older members of his church. So we believe that the, the young church is called not to be the future of the church, but the church today, that they are called to the Great Commission. They're called to take the gospel to the nations. They're called to evangelize. They're called to witness. They're called to sh- uh, to, to the apostolic works of the uh, of the church. They're called to serve the poor. They're called to fight for the end of abortion. And what we've seen over the years is when you call them into that
1: yeah. they respond to it yeah. right amen and sometimes with with greater zeal and and passion than than we would expect
0: yeah and that's why like beyond damascus is so important because most youth ministry efforts are just to oriented around Damascus experiences that, Hey, we want you to come and we want you to encounter Jesus. And Mm. that's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely necessary. Like every individual person has to have that moment where they have encountered the love of Jesus Christ and their life has been transformed and set on a new horizon where the relationship with God becomes real and vibrant and living. But they also need that invitation to go beyond that Damascus experience into a life of mission. And we like to say that we form our young people with deployment in mind. And that idea of the encounter leads to the, the work of mission, and um, when you do that, it's amazing because I think kids uh, or young people kind of jump into deployment,
1: yeah, fast, yeah, with a fearlessness. <laughs> yep, it's it's uh, so should we be intimidated by this? No, uh, we should be excited by it. We should be excited <laughs> by it. You know, the the role of a parent is to is to see their is to see their child eclipse them. In, in success, in virtue, in holiness. And when you look through, when you look through the story of scripture, I mean, um, God, God regularly calls young people to come and to respond. Even, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes our artwork would show that, uh, Jesus himself was, he was 30, like 33 years old. Yep. I mean, He's um, technically in the young adult classification still, <laughs> he right. hasn't
0: reached 35. So he, he was, he was the office of youth and young
1: adult ministry was reaching out to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, and, and in any case, you know, you see in the old Testament, you see in the new Testament that the, the, uh, the men and women that Jesus, that, well, that the Lord calls into action, mm-hmm. right? That they're often... They're often in the place of, of influential uh, passion and zeal in, within the context of their youth.
0: Yep. Yeah. James, John, Peter, Andrew, the apostles—they were teenagers and twenty-year-olds. So,
1: so if you're young and you're listening to the show, awesome. Yeah. Um, this this shows for you. If if you are uh, a parent or a grandparent or if you are a, a you know a role model, uh, if you're if you're outside of the young adult classification, this shows for you. Yeah. Why? Because. Uh, because God intends to inspire something in us, mm-hmm. and we have a responsibility, uh, and and we have a we have an amazing opportunity to actually call out that potential yep. that we can that we can witness to that we can advocate to that we can that we can believe in um, in, in the young people that we're, that we're surrounded with.
0: And so what is the call that the Lord places on their, their lives and our lives? It's simply the call to sainthood, (laughs) that the the God calls the ordinary to be extraordinary. The Lord calls the natural to be supernatural. And I I just love, I mean, we have a God of transformation who takes ordinary men and women all the time and makes them extraordinary Mm. saints. And the, you see in the lives of those in scripture, like an ordinary teenage girl named Mary becomes the extraordinary queen of heaven and earth. ordinary shepherd named David becomes the the greatest king of the kingdom of Israel. Like the Lord takes the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. And um, he takes ordinary bread and wine and yeah. makes it his extraordinary body and blood. And it just like mm. when I, when I look at the bread and the wine at mass, I'm like, okay, if the Lord can take that, which is lifeless and make it divine, he can probably do something with me. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Right? Like yeah. if it, if he chooses to use a vessel like bread, to become a supernatural, extraordinary instrument by which uh, he is able to give himself to the masses. Imagine what he can do with me and with you and with anyone. And so the the Lord just uh, wants us to realize that in our ordinary lives, the Lord is calling us to an extraordinary destiny.
1: Yep. Yep. That's amazing. And, uh, and, and as we respond to that, as we partner with him, it, that's the reason these stories are inspiring. Yeah. Right. There's, there's, you know, it's, it's great giving conferences to, uh, to parishes and, um, you know, we were, we had the opportunity to go over and to speak at, at an awesome, uh, conference in, in Paris last year. And I remember I had opportunity to share testimony, um, and the, uh, the testimony that I chose to share was about a, an eighth grade student here at Damascus on retreat who came, uh, he came, came to, came to retreat confident in, um, confident in his eighth grade atheism, right? <laughs> uh, he, he'd made a, an intellectual determination that God wasn't something he was interested in. And, uh, through the course of the weekend he was invited into a process of prayer and in prayer he he asked a question of the lord and for the first time to his shock and surprise he heard the lord speak to his heart Mm. and uh and ultimately gave his life to jesus that day and entered into a process of of engaging in the gospel message on this on this class retreat and uh the adults in the room as i shared this testimony it was like their hearts were just were just struck they they broke out in spontaneous applause as i shared this why mm-hmm. because you know here in america in, in europe actually more profoundly there's uh we we've got this we we've got this juxtaposition be- between the potential of young people to transform the world and the observed reality that they're not responding yeah right and uh, and it's almost like that that gap becomes all the more uh, all the more impactful, right? That that poverty becomes all the more real because of the fact that that there's such a great potential mm. for change and for impact. Yeah. So when a young person, when a young person's hurt, when a young person's um, you know, God forbid, when a young person's killed, or or that those, those are the those are the incidents that that we that we look to with such profound sadness. Why? because of the potential for greatness and impact.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that potential can be realized here now, like right, right, right in their life today. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the extraordinary life of Blessed Carlo yeah. and uh, his path to sainthood, as well as the call for all of the church to become saints, Amen. which will be amazing. So you're listening to Beyond Damascus, and we will be right back after this short break.
1: The EWTN home video highlight for July is A Church in Crisis. The church is under attack from within and from without. Through the chaos, Dr. Ralph Martin illuminates the path forward for A Church in Crisis. Order your DVD set at EWTNRC.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or call 1-800-854-6316. She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever
2: since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com.
0: Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. So, Aaron, I'm really excited. We yeah. have uh, a guest for our show today, Michael Litchens, and he is an editor at Catholic Exchange. Catholic Exchange's mission is to make saints in our own time. That's and pretty sweet mission. That seems to be God's mission as well. <laughs> so, I think they're they're focused on the right thing. So, let's welcome Michael. Hey, yeah. Michael. Yeah. Good to meet you, man.
1: Michael, thanks for joining
0: us. For this Hi, interview. gentlemen.
2: It's it's great to join you today. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, no oh, yeah. problem.
0: You're you're you are a blessed man. You have the same mission statement as Jesus, which uh, we <laughs> the whole church should have the same mission statement of Jesus uh, <laughs> to seek and save the lost and to make saints in our own time. I love that. So let's get that work done, Michael. Why don't you just share a little bit about um, the you know we're you're you've done a lot of research on one of our newer uh, uh, upcoming saints in the church, Blessed Carlo, who was just 15 years old and is, uh, when he passed, and now he's on his, the path to sainthood. Would you like to share a little bit about who he is and what makes him so great?
2: I'd love to. I'd say the best way to describe him, if you were to Google him and read The news reports and all that about him. The thing that you would hear is that he died at 15. So, and he's being beatified just this last October. So he's the first millennial beatified person, and Hmm. uh, as Father Will Conquer, a man I've gotten to work with who got to meet all of Blessed Carlo's extended family, he points out he'll be the first saint to have had a cell phone and know what Google is, which is something that seems so strange to think (laughs) about but because he's so close to us but also so distant in that way.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. He also has an amazing
2: hairstyle,
0: right? And, and the, yes, and the choice and the, the and because he
2: didn't care. Which, as we know, not caring about if you look cool is what helps you to look cool. So we <laughs> mentioned to figure that secret out.
0: Yeah, which is so interesting too, because the millennial church is like the the untapped church, right? Like we're we're mm-hmm. looking statistically at like, oh my gosh, how do we bring back this lost generation? And, and at least here in America, the millennial generation is the first post-Christian generation where we have mm-hmm. not more nuns or nuns, right? The non affiliateds um, than we do Christians. And there's this major disaster of like we're we're losing the generations for Christ Jesus and Jesus is like hey i got this under control i'm going to populate the heavens with intercessors for these lost generations um so what you know so blessed carlo he when did he pass
2: he passed away on october 12 2006
0: and when when was his beatification process started
2: uh that beatification process started almost immediately people started calling miracles including his wow. own parents pretty quickly the first approved miracle, I think, happened 2018, and that was where a young man named Matthias was miraculously cured from a pancreatic disease that was causing him to not be able to eat or move. But when his parents said a novena within days after finishing the novena, he actually was seeking out and desiring food, which... I've had families had similar diseases, and any time they like, said, oh, I really want to eat something, we went crazy because just for them to have an appetite was such a miracle. But <laughs> in this case, there wasn't hope that this you know, man would ever get his appetite back, but wow. happened within a few days. And then he was finally beatified officially by Pope Francis, who has been a great encourager of Blessed Carlo and the group movement around him. He beatified him in October, meant to do it earlier, but there was this little thing called COVID that happened last year that delayed everything. <laughs> so that was one of them, but he is now Blessed Carlo and we are proud to have him in our litany.
0: That's amazing. Are there any other yeah, miracles that you know it. that are attributed to him?
2: Uh, there's one, Father Will Conquer, who priest I worked with who wrote the original book of Millennial in Paradise. He discussed uh, several young men who had intense anxiety to a point where one particular young man was not able to even go to church because crowds terrified him i have a heart for that because i too have the have anxiety that gets in the way of everything and this young man learned about uh, blessed carlo went to assisi to visit his shrine and prayed for him and within a few days he noticed that he didn't have the racing heartbeat he didn't suddenly mm. wasn't terrified of crowds or being talk to and he was able to go to mass and go to adoration. And that may seem like a small miracle, but anyone who has uh, any type of high anxiety will tell you, Oh no, no, I'll take that miracle right now for any price. No, that's awesome.
1: We'll pray for that. Come with Jesus. It's for free by (laughs) Blessed Carlo.
0: Actually, you know what? I think that's so, uh, oh man, I just love that so much. Cause I find in working with young people, the, the, the demonic stronghold on the young generation right now is anxiety. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just amazing. The rampant number of young people who experience, uh, anxiety on a, on a level that mm-hmm. just, I don't remember being around and, Uh, I think that's just a sign that the Lord is saying, hey, you know what? I hear the cry of the poor, and I'm coming to your aid, that there is freedom at hand, and um, that now is the time for us to conquer this brokenness in our generation. Amen. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And uh, like with so much of Blessed Carlo, it can seem from our point of view so small and even insignificant, but we see that those, like you guys were talking about in your introduction— those little things using ordinary people are the very things that can have lasting impacts that we feel centuries afterwards. Hmm. And we're starting to, it's exciting as a Catholic who's studied so many famous historical figures in our church to see this young man already having this impact. Absolutely. Uh, yesterday would have been his 30th birthday. Oh, and even beyond sweet. the grave, he's having this incredible impact across the world.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So why don't you share a little bit about how, blessed carlo passed away right because that's kind of like a 15 year old dying seems like a tragedy to me
2: (laughs) it is a tragedy and don't get me wrong his parents were shaken up about it uh his mother ended up receiving one of his miracles according Hmm. to her and she believes this very sincerely victoria uh, carlo was an only child and so when he was dying, you can only imagine the heartbreak even more mm-hmm. so. But within a few days after he had passed away, she had actually become pregnant, which was not something she thought was even in the realm of possibilities. And she credits her son for being such a good a good son that he would look after his mom even if he couldn't be there himself. Wow, well, that's wild. And- yeah, A very good Italian boy, as we might say. Yeah,
0: I'll take care of mom. That's <laughs> awesome. And, and did he have cancer or what, what, what he was He had leukemia, yeah.
2: unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And when he was diagnosed, this was a thing that speaks to his holiness. He got diagnosed with leukemia and immediately started offering up his sickness and sufferings, not for a cure, not to make his life easier. He offered it for the greater grace of the church and for the mission and work of Pope Benedict. was Pope at the time, of course. And he said in writing, I offer all my sufferings I have to undergo for the Lord, the Pope, and the Church. And that was his constant prayer. That's pretty sweet. And he also planned to go visit sites of Eucharistic miracles, because that was a research project he was very enthusiastic about. Uh, He didn't get to go to all these sites, unfortunately. But His work continued on, and to this day, one of the most heartfelt things I ever saw was during this lockdown period. A lot of people are using Blessed Carlo's uh, resources to build these little mini-museums of Eucharistic miracles in these Mm. churches that couldn't be filled during the lockdowns. So even if somebody couldn't make it to Mass, they could learn more about these Eucharistic miracles and see that Jesus is in the Eucharist even if we're not always aware of it. And sometimes he's in the Eucharist in a way that is so obvious you can't deny.
0: Yeah. So he was someone who wasn't just like uh, in his own little world, seeking Mm. holiness for himself. Like he was researching uh, as a, as a young teenager researching Eucharistic miracles and building a website to get information Mm -hmm. out about the Eucharistic miracles. Um, What what, can you share more about that?
2: Absolutely. It's, Honestly, one of his most enduring works, if you go to com, you'll find links to his websites. And on those websites, you can actually print out like large posters about these Eucharistic miracles. But he was moved by them when he had discovered about some of the Eucharistic miracles that had been happening. But Italy has a few well-documented ones, but he had learned about ones in Argentina, Austria, Belgium. And all across the world, uh, sometimes these Eucharistic miracles, it would be, say, the host would start bleeding, which, of course, science can't explain. Even if you inserted, took a needle and inserted blood into the Eucharist, it's not going to just bleed constantly. That's not a thing that's no. physically possible. Yeah. <laughs> and so it tends to be one of the most strangest. It's kind of and, a big deal. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> deal. It's, oh thing that you can't deny when you see it and encounter it. So he was in love with Jesus in the Eucharist Mm -hmm. anyways. He had developed that love from the time he was uh, seven years old when he begged his parents to get him his first communion, which was unusually young in Italy, Mm -hmm. but he begged his parents to get first communion and from that day forward he would tell people his devotion to the Eucharist was for him talking to his best friend. This was forming a relationship with the mighty God, but also seeing that God isn't just far away. He is with you in the elements of the Eucharist in the spirit. He is there with you and will always be with you. That promise he would be with us till the end of the world. And there he is in the Eucharist, but we can, I mean, we've seen the statistics. We all know, like, the majority of Catholics don't even believe in the real presence in North America right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's And crazy. so for
2: him to take that, I honestly do, can only describe this as grace, that this young man had such a love for the Eucharist that he wanted other people to love the Eucharist too. And he wasn't just going to do it by casual conversation, but going to overwhelm us with so much information and so much testaments to miracles. And that, in turn leads people to have a deeper appreciation of love of the Eucharist and to, in Blessed Carlos' words, to see the Eucharist as their highway to heaven and as a conversation with their best friend.
0: Yeah, I, amen. And all I yeah. can do is say to that is that is so in line with what I've experienced in youth ministry, that young people, um, when they encounter Jesus in the Eucharist, their lives are transformed. And it's like you the the hunger... For the young church to have an incarnational experience with uh, with Jesus is so real. I mean, yeah. over and over mm-hmm. again, our ministry uh, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp and in our retreats, it's Eucharistic adoration and and the and catechesis around the Eucharistic encounter with Jesus at the mass is, is so pivotal. It's central to everything we do because what we have found is it's the linchpin for conversion. Like when yeah. a young person encounters Jesus in the Eucharist, boom, it's like game over. you you're, you die to yourself and you become a new creation. In Christ we, Jesus. we have a lot of
1: people who, who will come and will you know, what's the, what's the secret recipe? <laughs> yeah. How do you
0: do what you, like all the fruit you're producing, like, what is it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, just it's, Jesus. Yeah. So we have this thing in the church called the Eucharist. It's amazing, um but it is you know it it it's it's helping young people almost like paul his eye there were there was scales on his eyes, and the scales fall from his eyes when he gets healed from blindness yeah. and I find that a lot of times there are scales on young people's eyes where they've maybe learned about the Eucharist with their mind and uh but not with their heart and when their heart realizes and discovers Jesus hidden the Eucharist, it's like um, it's just something inside of them becomes alive. Um, and, uh, you know, the, such a young saint that is able to, uh, as a teenager, say, okay. And I, I love that because, yeah, it's, so uh, he's just a millennial saint. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go online. I'm going to start a website, and I'm going to start getting the world to know about Eucharistic miracles um, that's like evangelization as a as a young teenager and it's it's so normal and it's so easy like I can evangelize on Facebook on Instagram like I can evangelize uh, I started
1: a website when I was little did you what was it about my, I was I probably wasn't Eucharistic miracles. my sister was obsessed with a band called Hanson
0: oh gosh I, <laughs> I really did not
2: like so The hair so I started a website
1: m-bops. I started a website called I hate Hanson. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I started a website about UFOs uh, when I was 13 so not uh, nearly as cool as you Meanwhile, meanwhile miracles, but it was blessed fun.
1: Carlo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is why he's up for canonization and, and we're lagging behind. Yeah, I hate hands. Uh, is that is that live still live? You know, I haven't checked uh, you on probably it. Probably haven't in, a couple, in a couple a couple decades. Really? <laughs> 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 what about the UFOs, Michael? Is that, how'd that turn out for you?
2: Uh, I think it's I remember I found it when Geo City still archived their web pages. And I was nineteen and already embarrassed by myself. Yeah, but, and I don't know what it's out there. If it's Still so out right. there, and someone finds out I liked UFOs at thirteen. Inside
0: of you, there is a deep desire for the supernatural. That's that's why exactly. that was the, the hiddenness it. of God manifesting itself. Gosh, <laughs> so so that's amazing, right? This is the potential of the youth, and it's not like the 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 one problem I have. Yeah. With canonization, <laughs> if you can have a do, problem do with canonization, <laughs> is... It is that sometimes people think that I'm not a saint or I'm not called to be a saint unless the church tells me I'm a saint, right? and right, and, and like by right of our baptism, we're all part of the communion of saints. and so if I'm in the state of grace, right? I'm in the communion of saints, and so it, it, what, what we're simply acknowledging something about a supernatural or an extraordinary life in Blessed Carlo. But his mm-hmm. his life is no different than mine, and it's no different than the way we should minister to young people. So it should be the expectation that 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds would have the capacity and the knowledge to not only encounter Jesus, but then to lead others to encounter him, to live Amen. a life of mission, and then not only to— um to leave that life of mission, but then to also have that understanding of, of suffering and, and what, what to do with that. Um, can you maybe Michael, could you share a little bit more? Like I know there was a, um, blessed Carlo also had a devotion to the poor and like kind of helped the, the poor. Can you share some of those stories?
2: Absolutely. One of, uh, just one of those things that you can't believe a young man could have figured this out. Cause I still struggle with this knowledge and, actually believing it, but he truly believed that you could find Christ in any person, that there was some, an image of God that was created into them and breathed into Mm -hmm. that person. And so when you were loving your mother, your best friend, when you were loving the beggar on the street, you are also in a very direct way, loving and honoring God. And so his uh, devotion, everything he did was done out of love and wanting to share Christ with people Among the weird, I won't say weird, it seems weird to our modern ideas, but he was greatly influenced by St. Francis of Assisi, as I think almost eight out of 10 Catholics are. All of us know who he is and know his story. But for Lessa Carlo, when he hears the story of St. Francis, it's not just so much of a almost fairy tale-like person, but it's, oh, that's what we can be. That's how you can bring Christ to others. And St. Francis is very, life and teachings very much honor the poor, not just as this is the nice thing to do, this is the polite thing to do, but this is what Jesus demands of us, because by helping to clothe, to feed, to house the poor, we are helping to clothe, to feed, and to house our Lord Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. uh, many saints have warned us to always give kindness to the poor, because we may encounter angels in that way, who are visiting us unseen. And I think, With Carlo, you see it all throughout his life that each person he encountered was more deserving of the wealth and the privileges than he was in his mind. Uh, So much so that even as a teenager at 11 and 12, he refused to wear clothing with brand names or that advertised anything, Hmm. which uh, that's impressive for an adult to do. For a kid, like you guys remember, I mean, I got beat up because all my clothes came from Goodwill. There's... (laughs) Kids are cruel. <laughs> but, See, so I, I was can't imagine to, being I was a young shopping man going, yeah, Goodwill I don't want to, to be materialistic, those. even if it gets me subjected to bullying or harassment. Mm-hmm. And it did, but he would not. And in those cases, he would not wear the clothes he kept his hair however it grew and whatever he did which i love i, I we talked about it up top that the hair is pretty awesome
1: because that, that may be
2: less a sign of holiness <laughs> it's, it's more but, a sign, uh, that the a sign of holiness 100%. though was <laughs> that he was able to rise and he came from a pretty solidly middle-class italian family so yeah. his family certainly had the wealth he had a full-time nanny as a child and things of that nature and yet he was able to grow from that and never adopt the materialistic consumerist ideology that all of us have, whether we want it or not. Most of us have to live with that ideology. And I think that's one of the great testaments to the grace he was given, that he was able to see beyond our petty concerns for looking good, being popular, and see that there was something much bigger and much grander Mm -hmm. to be working towards.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I just love that. Like, and, and this is like, oh man, what Jesus did in the lives of the saints, he wants to do in our, our lives. It's yes. meant to be a testimony of what can happen in me. And so when he looks to Francis, he says, Oh, I can be like Francis. When he looks to Mother Teresa, he says, Oh, I can be like Mother Teresa. It's not that there are these like, far off lofty people it's that no jesus wants me to live like that and i can because why because they were living like jesus and they were animated by the holy spirit that enabled them to do that And the same holy spirit that they had hey I have, right? Yep, yep. And right? so the spirit of God that gave Francis his spirituality and the spirit of God that gave Mother Teresa her spirituality is the spirit of God that lives in me that gives me my spirituality so I can live the life of Jesus like they lived the life of Jesus because the life of the spirit of Jesus is in me and yeah. and, and living through me and wow I mean it's just the the sainthood is not the act of the will, that I don't do a bunch of good things so I become a saint. Sainthood is that I was baptized in Christ Jesus and received the gift of His Holy Spirit, yep. and His Spirit transforms me and animates my life so that I live the
1: life of Jesus. Amen. And people see the life of Jesus through me, <laughs> which we call sainthood. Come, Lord Jesus, do it again. I know. I, I love that I love that statement, Dan, that the, that the testimony is actually, it, it, it's an invitation for God to do it again in me. Yeah. Right, and so many times we, we we see the stories of the saints. You know, we hear that great that that great story of um, of Saint Ignatius, right? When he was inspired by the lives of the saints and lying on a hospital bed, and that that wasn't for him just entertainment. What was it? it, it he realized that these stories, these testimonies, were given so that it could give God an invitation to do it again in him. Yeah, and then he, and then he saw it lived out. You know yeah. so when we when we hear about a story of like like Blessed Carlo even even if you hear the testimony of something that's happened in the life of a friend or in the life of a child or in the life of a parent um, those are opportunities for us yeah to realize God you're, mm-hmm. you're you are so generous like it, it's it's God's mode of operation to actually want to do in others. Uh, to do in you what he 's done in others to do in others what he 's done in you you know um, we, we we see that that beautifully described in in John chapter fourteen verse twelve when Jesus says you who they who believe in me will do the works that I do and do greater works than these because behold i 'm going to the Father right that when when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we actually have the capacity, we have the invitation, we have the opportunity to enter into the Christian story, right? That we become a part of that story of salvation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh and man, yeah, Blessed Carlo uh is is not just not not just the, the fluke that got it right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: One out of every single millennial in the world gets to be
1: a saint. No, and that I
0: think that's kind of fun. I like as I'm listening to some of these stories about Blessed Carlo, I'm thinking of kids that go to our summer camp. Like yeah. the I am thinking of the uh, just uh, I won't do shout outs of their names, but man, we have some young adults, I mean some young people, high schoolers. Um, you and, know who you are. We and, yeah, love you. Yeah, you're amazing. But they're they're mobilizing their schools and, and they're doing Doing actual outreach in their schools and so they're they're like starting worship nights in their school communities or they're gathering together for prayer every morning uh, before school begins they're they're going into their schools and they're evangelizing and bringing their friends in the church community it's like it's blowing my mind some of these things that I hear our high schoolers doing it's like oh my gosh or like uh, middle schoolers who are starting mm. small businesses to sell yeah. products and raise money to, to help others go on retreats or camps it's like or they're they're, they're Starting these little businesses to give money to the end of abortion or to the poor—it's like you're you're a, a seventh grader and you're already you're like mobilizing your talent of of making bracelets and you're selling bracelets <laughs> online and you're giving the money to the poor. Like, who Amen. are you? What are you doing? This is amazing. And these are these are like I could tell you story after story after story of young people who, when they encounter the love of Jesus, they are set on mission for the church. And so this life that we honor and blessed Carlo is not meant to say. Hey, he's one dude who did it well. It's like, no, it, we're the Lord, Holy Spirit is raising up a young generation Amen. who understands the call to mission, and and are they're going to get this done? That's, Amen. That's exciting.
2: Um, hey, what's yeah, your I favorite? Agree. And I think with Las yes. Carlo, I'm just talking about all these kids, we have a group of uh, teenagers at a local Catholic church here who regularly will go to the homeless. Uh, encampment nearer the parish and will give them food and toiletries. This they do about once a week as a group activity. And I mean, they raise the money themselves, hmm. buy the products themselves, and then distribute it, That usually with an adult who has to drive them. But I had trouble buying my own deodorant when I was a teenager. So that <laughs> stuff is humbling to me. It's a nice reminder of like, <laughs> they can do it. They got to figure it out. They can't even drive yet. And they figured it out. Yeah. But it's not a great secret. They know exactly what you know. What you and I, all of us know. And that is that if you want to be holy, if you want to have a life that is more authentic and more full of love, you ask Jesus what he wants of you and then do it when he tells you to do it. And that is literally, it seems so simple, but it is that simple.
0: Yeah, I think that we're trying so, and and, um, hmm, I want to make sure I don't say this wrong. We're trying so hard to keep kids in the church that we're not mobilizing them to be the church. And, mm-hmm. and so, like, we're, we're, um, of course, we want them to stay in the church, right? Uh, but the way they'll stay in the church is when you actually start mobilizing them to become the church. And so, more than just learning all the theology of the church, more than just studying the faith, it's live the faith, become the faith, and, and then the teachings will flow forth from that. And, and because they're animated in your life. Um, okay, Michael, what is your, uh, what's your favorite thing about Blessed Carlo?
2: Ah, uh, it might actually be a quote that's become kind of his motto and everything. But he said once in once in one of his letters that all of us are born original, but many of us will die photocopies. Wow! And uh, what that speaks to is an authentic love that so many authenticity is kind of the big driving market force now. So I even hate to use that word, but. I see why it's also desirable and blessed Carlo kind of knew that secret that if the most authentic life you could live was one in Christ and that was the way you stayed original. That's how you became that unrepeatable thing by remembering that God made you original and unrepeatable. And that animated so much of his life. But I think the other part I love about him is I've told all these stories, these great comments he had this wonderful love, but I love that he was so ordinary. He loved football. He played his PlayStation a lot. Mm-hmm. He liked meeting up with his friends to cheer on Milan. He this all these things that even in my late thirties are things I enjoy doing. They're very typical things. He went to public school. He had to. He had his struggles with loneliness. He had his struggles with making friends. And he was such an average teenager. But when you saw what, he, when you looked at him, just a little closer you saw uh, he wasn't ordinary he was far from an ordinary teen would that we had a blessed carlo in every parish but at the same time he wasn't doing anything extraordinary he didn't write the summa theologica he didn't go on a mission into china he didn't go go and pray to the natives in some south american backwater he just went to mass every day he went to confession once a week he yeah and then he gave himself totally to whatever it was he felt he could do and what he was called to do. And he just did it, no question, with a heart full of love. And that ordinariness for me is one of the most attractive parts about his sanctity. Yep. Yep. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. You know what What you said, would that we not have a, a Blessed Carlo in every parish? And I, I, I bet we do,
2: you know? I bet we do, yes. I bet, I bet
0: <laughs> hidden in every parish is a young saint. And, you know, one of the great tragedies is that we're not— Bragging on our young church enough that um, that we're not recognizing those quiet, simple, hidden lives of holiness, and we don't celebrate them. Like, why did Carlo have to die before we celebrate how awesome he was, right? And it's like, right. that's kind of what we we do. We don't celebrate the greatness of our young people. We have a, a whole world that's like, you know, the news agency that just tells us how terrible people, young people can be, and <laughs> all the bad things that are happening. We need to start celebrating the yeah. awesomeness of young people, and yeah. Young young people are not problems; they're solutions. They're not mm-hmm. the young generation are not the generation that's falling away. They're the generation that has hope to restore this world because they dream bigger dreams than we could ever imagine. And so, let's find those young people in every parish and celebrate them and and and, and you know, kind of, I would say, how can we um, get behind them? Yeah, that's exciting.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, okay, so Michael, you you've kind of uh been an understudy if you will or an advocate for a priest in France who wrote a book about um Blessed Carlo. Could you share a little bit about Father Will and uh the book A Millennial in Paradise?
2: Absolutely. Father Will is what speaking of young people who are changing the church. He's not as young as Carlo, but he's I believe he's roughly my age, so well within the millennial generation. And he is a priest with the Paris Society of Missions, one of the oldest mission societies out there. Yeah. And he is currently serving in Cambodia full-time, which is one of the reasons why he couldn't be here, as well as the language barrier. But Father Will first came across Blessed Carlo through uh, the website about Eucharistic miracles, Mm -hmm. and he was so touched by it, especially when he found out that this young man who that this was written by a young man who had passed away at only 15. He made himself known to Carlo's best friend, as well as his parents and his cousins and extended family. And just much like Blessed Carlo, he realized when he had found that that treasure, that you know, that little pearl and oysters, oysters he went just all into it to yeah. write this book originally in French. And he actually titled it in French, A Geek in Paradise, talking about <laughs> Blessed <laughs> Carlo's love of computers and technology. But nice. through that, he uh, saw something that he wanted to share with everyone else, much like his Blessed Carla wanted to share his great knowledge. Now, Father Will felt the same draw. And so, amidst full time mission work and all the work he has to do flying between Cambodia and France, he managed to write this lovely, nah, just a little over 200 pages uh, with pictograms and things like that. That is came straight straight from Carl's family and people who knew him. And it's, blessed carlo is the star of this show don't get me yeah, wrong yeah. but father will has done the church a great and unbelievable service by not only writing this but allowing us to translate it into other languages
0: that's awesome yeah great so there's uh, if you are interested in learning more about blessed carlo and hearing the stories of his life check out um the book uh, a millennial in paradise by father will and how do you say his last name Conquer. Conquer. Awesome. So Or uh, conquer. Yeah, or conquer. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I love that. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you for encouraging us with the stories of Blessed Carlo and with your words. Um, I, I We just want to continue to bless you in your ministry and mission. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Uh, this is a production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to lives of the young saints that Aaron and I work with. Uh, we're going to tell you a few of their amazing, triumphant mm-hmm. stories and how they are like Blessed Carlo. We'll be right back. Prayer has been so powerful in my communication with God, understanding the church better, most importantly, understanding the Lord better, and myself better. I heard it said once that God answers an email. As in K N E E. Prayer is powerful. One of the favorite things I love to do when it comes to prayer is to ask for the intercession of the great saints. Try it sometime. You'll be very, very impressed and surprised by the amazing power of prayer.
2: Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social and traffic, work, paying bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at catholicscomehome.com.
1: Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter meets Mission, and what a great show so far. Man, Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say it. I, I had high hopes for the show, but I'm <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm excited. Blessed <laughs> well, Carlos, sweet. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think it's so good to um, just recognize the the ordinariness of him and the extraordinariness of yeah. him. That and uh, I don't know. I I think as a parent, sometimes I had to step back and recognize the extraordinariness of my kids. Right, like that. Um, there's so much that goes on in life, and parents listening to the show. I wonder if you've Ask the lord to give you his eyes for your children yep that's absolutely that, true like father let me see my children like you see them mm-hmm. because when when the father looks at your children he sees a saint in the making he sees all the gold that's inside of them all the gold that he planted he sees his own fingerprint on them and um when we as adults see that in children we can bring it out yeah and when we don't see it we don't bring it out yeah uh, amen and they we we, we
1: started the show today talking about how uh, one of the core values here that we that we hold at Catholic Youth Summer Camp Damascus is uh, that that we believe in the potential of young people. Yeah, right. And w- one of the cool things about hearing the story of Blessed Carlo is that uh, you know Michael used that word ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, ordinary often means like boring in our colloquial <laughs> whoa, language, whoa, but whoa. Uh, Car- Carlo lived a life that that we see we see. Ten thousand kids come through Damascus every year that are living that life. Yeah, right. And if, if anything, I think he's a. It's a testimony of the fact that w- we say this in our formation process that that we are not sinners that sometimes get lucky. Like <laughs> we're not doomed for failure, and sometimes you know every once in a while the blind the blind squirrel gets a nut. Yeah. Um. But but we are uh we, we're, we're saints. Yeah. We're, we're saints, and and we have the we have the 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 blessing the grace. That when we make mistakes that god can can mm-hmm. can bring good uh into into that process but but we got to believe in that potential of ourselves right yeah. that jesus actually expects us to transform the world and we and we see that
0: yeah we have a culture that for whatever reason is lowering the bar for young people and we need to be a church that raises the bar for amen young people and amen. I, I think you know like we can't as a church we can't lower the standards we can't lower our expectations for young people because when we speak Uh, a high bar into their lives, when we let them know the life of holiness that they're called to, the life of mission that they're called to, they raise to the bar and then they exceed beyond it and raise the bar for us. And I mean, we're seeing young people come to uh, our, our camp and, and live life with us. That are having powerful visions, and they have access to the voice of God, and they they're they're experiencing miracles themselves, and they're praying for others who are experiencing miracles in their lives. That really, truly, the supernatural and heaven and earth are touching each other through these lo- the lives of these young people. Yeah. And, and they're middle schoolers. They're middle schoolers, and they're they're high schoolers, and they're so open and they're so hungry. And that's why Jesus says the the, the kingdom of God belongs to them. It belongs to them. And so if it belongs to them, let's give it to them, and let's get out of the way and Mm. let them give it to us a little bit as well. And so, you know, I was really touched by the just the suffering of Blessed Carlo and the way he suffered through leukemia and offered that up beautifully. Last year, we had two different campers um, who suffered through leukemia, and— it was amazing to watch one one of those campers sadly passed, and mm-hmm. the other one, um, through a long battle and a long journey, um, it, it, it was healed and is uh, and really doing well right now. And um, but it was amazing to watch both those campers and their families yep. respond to the grace that was poured out on them. I mean, it was like um, it was as if you I saw saints being formed, not just these two young boys. Who endured their yeah. suffering with sanctity and like holiness, but then their with whole their families? Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh my gosh! I see. I mean, one of the boys, um, his his whole family came back to the church, and they're like, they're on absolutely on fire right now. Yeah. His sister just had, had a powerful conversion and is living her life completely for the Lord. His parents are on fire. I mean, it's just it's beautiful, mm. and and the the way that Michael described. Carlos suffering. um, They they embraced it in the same way. So that's why I'm saying there literally are saints in
1: every parish. We just have to find them. Yeah. I hope this show has been inspiring for you. I know it's been inspiring for me. uh, As you know, as as we're as we're speaking, a lot of times we we say these things, right? That we've got to we've got to see the potential in young people. We've got to see that we're surrounded by saints. Like that sounds like a great Hallmark movie. (laughs) But that's it's. I mean, it's 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 true. It's true. Yeah. And. Uh, and and when we can begin to see that, we can begin to uh, we can begin to to honor and to speak with the dignity and to and to and to um, to desire to see people's lives transformed. Right? Maybe you'll think differently next time you you pass that kid in the in the adoration chapel mm-hmm. to think like, hey, uh, you know, this is this is a kid that's gonna be that's gonna be accomplishing you know heavy horsepower for the kingdom, yeah. and 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 I get to be an advocate for this young person responding, you know, next time you you pass a child in your home and, and you can think to yourself, um, Lord, you've given me a tremendous honor Mm -hmm. of, of stewardship over, over a life that, that you have destined for a mission of transformation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just love that. And you know, like honor the young person, like Tell them that uh, what you see in them and and speak the gold in th- that you see in them and speak what, what the Father shows you about mm-hmm. their life. And, and you don't have to tell them to be a priest, okay? Like if God's <laughs> going to call them to be a priest, they'll get there. You don't have to tell them to be a priest. Just honor the holiness that's on them. Yeah. And, um and God will reveal whether or not they're supposed to be a priest. <laughs>
1: Amen. That's so <laughs> uh, awesome.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you're hungry for the young church to be awakened, empowered, and equipped, you can check out more about our ministry at damascus.net. That's our, our hunger is to see middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults to be awakened, empowered, and equipped to bring revival to the Catholic Church throughout the world and in America. Um, and if you have a young person, perhaps a middle schooler or a high schooler, who you would like to see infused with the power of God and the the, the faith in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, we, we're we're always available to serve, and so Catholic Youth Summer Camp CYSC dot com. Uh, we have incredible summer camps uh, for middle schoolers and high schoolers, and we just want to see their lives transformed in yeah, them can, to reach their potential.
1: You can learn more. You can register from the website that was Catholic Youth Summer Camp CYSC dot com. I know we've still got some spots even for this summer. Absolutely. Um, regardless of when you're hearing this, we probably have spots for this summer.
0: We uh, always we just <laughs> say that just so you get on the website. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. This is uh, Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you'd like this show and you want to share it with people, just download our app. I mean, download our podcast, wherever podcasts are found, Mm -hmm. and share it with others. And uh, join us next time on Beyond Damascus. Thanks, and God bless.